non-binary persons, gentlemen and gentlewomen, Donnie and Marie, the audio presentation you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We strongly recommend that you do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose or with funds that are needed to pay bills. We recommend that you do not gamble with credit. If you feel you have a gambling problem, seek treatment. If you do not know how to seek treatment, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will work with you to connect you with resources to get the help you need. The past performances of our host are not indicative of anyone's future results. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler, evolutionary, revolutionary, charismatic, enigmatic, incognito, and your never-so-humble host for episode 93 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I am podcasting live without a studio audience from the glorious Casino Combat Studios in Parts Unknown. It's great to be back with you today. I'm going to try to be quick and move fast in this episode, which means I'll probably get to the end and realize I went long, and T-Rex is going to put in a lot of time on the edit to make me sound good. If so, sorry in advance, T-Rex. All our Casino Combat Galaxy updates are going to happen as part of the episode, so let's dig into the battle plan. We're going to start off with the results of the last couple of weeks of my life. As I did last episode, I'm going to give you an overview of the results for those weeks and pull out the important experiences and cover those. Then we're going to do a questions, my son's ask segment. I have questions from two members of the Casino Combat Squad. Some are mostly just for fun. One is uh, very serious and will lead to an advanced level teaching moment. At least I think it's going to. Perhaps uh, maybe not advanced level as much as clarifying some techniques that uh, I have some questions about. Some really good stuff in the questions my sons ask segment this episode. Then I will have a brand new casino wisdom for you. One that may change how you perceive your relationship with the dealers, pit bosses, servers, and bartenders at your regular casino. Finally, this is the end of the month of June. So as is my custom, we will adjourn to the virtual VIP lounge and discuss team TRG results for the month. Very simple and straightforward. Let's get started right after this sound from old T-Rex. Sometimes I call this travel, sometimes I call this results. It's something that we do consistently as uh, part of each episode of Casino Combat. The idea is to communicate accurately if, if the elements of the Casino Combat arsenal that I've used have worked or have not worked in a particular period of time. And that comes down to the fundamental idea that I've had since the very beginning. Why would any listener trust what I teach? I'm a complete stranger to most of you. Why would you trust what I teach if I don't tell you how, the, how my results turned out? If I can't do this consistently, why would you have any reason to think you can do it consistently um, on your own as well? I gambled five to seven days a week each week for the past couple of weeks. I received free stuff, meals, rooms, etc., 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 with uh, every visit. I am going to break a little bit from my own tradition, and I'm not going to give you a number of days pay one uh, right now at this time. Let's save that for a few minutes from now till we get to the virtual VIP lounge, and, and then I'll give you some numbers. 
But rest assured that every time I entered a casino for this two-week period of time, I left with a day's pay or more. I had no losing days. In and of itself, that's that's pretty great. That's that's a lot of fun to, to be able to say that. I told you very, very early in the process of creating this podcast that what I teach can be and is, for me, a reliable side hustle. And I know for a fact that a lot of people didn't necessarily believe that or thought that I was uh, pumping things up. But when you go to a casino every day, uh, other than some days off, you know, even on the seventh day, God rested. Um, if you go to the casino and every time you go, you bring home a day's pay or more, I would say that's a reliable side hustle. I would say that's money you can count on being there. I know I count on it being there when I go. What I'm going to do again today, as I said earlier, is I'm going to pull what I consider the educational parts, the informative parts, the useful parts out of my experiences and just share those moments with you. With one notable exception, all of my gambling was local. I did make one trip to the My Choice property that does not have a hotel about an hour and a half west of our home, and it's still after the move, an hour and a half west of our home. And then I went from there to the north one hour and stayed at the MGM Casino in that city and did an overnight. And those are trips where then when I make my way back, I stop at another My Choice and then finish up at two casinos in my local environment. This is the trip that consistently is the five casinos in, in 26 to 28 hours. So let's start there. Let's dive into the notes and let's start there with a couple of very interesting things that happened to me at uh, at the MGM property while I was spending the night. And the, the first was, I was playing with a lady that had been losing, was consistently losing, was consistently doing things that I think lead to losing. We get to the end of a shoe and I'm making notes in my phone. Just kind of updating some things, putting some pieces in, doing some regrouping, getting the right the right results into the into the box so they go into the spreadsheet. And now she's ready. She's cut the cards and she's ready. She's like, "We're ready, we're ready, sir, we're ready." And I said, "Just a minute, I just I got to do a little quick math here. I'm sorry." And she looks at me as I now turn back and she says to me, and she says more to the dealer, "The math." The math, what does that mean? You got to do the math. What math does anybody have to do? We're just here to play cards. What are you doing math for? Well, a very short time later, she's out of money and she's out of chips and her day is over. And I just thought in that moment, and obviously this isn't a big deal, but I just thought in this moment, that's part of why you lose. Because you don't know what I mean when I say I've got to do the math. You think that's a stupid comment on my part. You think that's a comment on my part that deserves a response from you and a snarky response from you at the same time. And what do we all know? We all know Casino Wisdom number 99. If you don't know the math, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your gambling. That's the math that I'm doing. And I'm really sorry that it annoyed this lady and aggravated this lady that she had to wait three or four minutes to lose the rest of her money while I put numbers into my my app and tracked my results. But I suspect that's why I consistently win and she probably consistently loses. 
The next very fun thing about this this trip to to this MGM property is at one point I decided to make my way over to the craps table and I wasn't going to do uh, the use six to win six technique. I was just going to use TRG wagering system to always be grinding and try to make a little money on on the don't pass bet. And this works well most of the time. Like all of this stuff, none of it all works every single time. But there's another gentleman playing the don'ts with me, playing the dark side, as they say. And he's making large bets, significantly larger bets than the one I'm making. And he's backing them up with full odds, which is lots and lots and lots of money. And he's losing, and I'm losing, because players are throwing numbers and then throwing those numbers again to to make their points and to collect their money, and that means we lose. And he has a, I've talked in the past that I considered uh, some type of bag or purse or shoulder bag or something instead of a vest and then settled on a vest instead. Well, this gentleman had settled on a bag instead. He has a bag strapped to his chest and I very quickly find out that that bag is full of money, literally full of money, the entire bag, blocks and blocks of $10,000 bills. Or $10,000 and $100 bills. Obviously, he did not have $10,000 bills. Um, but he had blocks, banded blocks of five and $10,000 all in hundreds. I literally sent a text to Gabriel while I was there and said, I am gambling with a man that has a full bag of money strapped to his chest. The more he lost, the larger his bets got. Okay, fine. Up when you lose. Perfectly reasonable. I'm a big fan of Martin Gales. That all makes sense. Unfortunately, they kept throwing points and then they kept making those points and we kept losing and he left the table for I did before I did and he no longer had a bag full of money strapped to his chest. He had an empty bag. I saw him order it for the for, open it for the last time. I saw him pull out the last of the money and I saw that the bag was empty. I do not know how much he lost. But he lost thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. He lost an entire bag of money strapped to his chest. I am so glad that wasn't me. That's why we use negative exit points. That's why we limit how large the bets are going to get when we're trying to recover our losses by making larger bets. That's why we have a little more of a systematic approach to things. But it, uh, you know, you can see just about anything when you go to a casino. And in this case... I saw a guy in a very short amount of time lose an entire bag full of money. So let's move on. Let me let me dig through the notes here. What do we have uh, in terms of things that happened just at my local casino? Oh, this one was fun. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. But once again, playing playing blackjack, playing with a lady that's losing, and she is making significant bets on a side bet on the table. And one of the reasons, one of the ways that this side bet pays off is if your first two cards and the dealer's card are all the same. And so she gets a pair of queens and the dealer has like a eight showing, nine showing, something like that. And uh, when the dealer flips over her hand, she has another queen underneath. She has a match for the ladies 
pair of cards and the lady starts screaming and yelling that the dealer cheated, that the dealer turned over the cards in the wrong order, that the dealer should have, according to procedure, turned over this card and the dealer cheated on purpose to try to keep her from winning. The house was trying to make her lose. They were all against her. They were all trying to cheat her. And she's going on and on about this. And the pit boss comes over and says, what's going on? And so the dealer very calmly, very politely says, uh, this was this was my down card. I turned it over. She says I should have turned it over first. She she says that I did it on purpose and that I did it to cheat her. And so the the paddle is pulled, which is what happens when there's a question about the game and the game stops and the, the pit boss calls up to have the cameras reviewed to see if, in fact, a mistake was made. And the woman's going on and on. She goes, you saw it, right? You saw it. She's pointing to me. She's talking to me. You saw her do it. She didn't do it right. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I really didn't, I didn't notice. I really wasn't paying attention. Um, I, I'd already busted my hand. I was already out of the game. I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't notice. And I said, but the side bet that you're on, would pay her a $10 tip if the queen had come up first. So she would have been cheating not just you, but herself. Why would she intentionally cheat you out of the side bet win to help her boss when she would have been cheating herself and her co-worker did not want to hear it? Now I'm on their side. Now, I'm probably in on it. I'm probably just a plant. I'm there to make her lose as well. Um, and, of course, you know what happened. I'm sure you know what happened. They checked the film. She had done things correctly. The card that was down was the card that was supposed to be down. The woman won her main bet. She lost her side bet. She continued to accuse the dealer of cheating. She continued to accuse me of being in on it. Now, when I don't play my cards the way she wants them played, when I hit my A7 against a dealer's 9, which is correct basic strategy, I'm just doing it to cheat her. I'm not really playing with my own money. It was amusing because we all know none of that was true. And we also know how this goes. She quickly lost. She quickly left. And she became just another footnote for me to share with all of you and for us to all enjoy learning from her failures, I guess. What's up next? What's up next here? Okay. Oh, so very busy day. A lot going on with work. A lot going on with the move. Yeah, I know you're thinking this move took forever. Trust me, we're thinking this move has taken forever. It is taking forever. It, it is what it is. It's been a, a long process, but I'm tired. I hit my blackjack win really quickly, like half a shoe, and and then it ends, and I've got a little more than I wanted to win for the day. And as I'm going to the cage and and going through my uh going through my pocket, I realized that I had printed a slip at the kiosk that would let me go up one floor and collect a lottery ticket. And it was just a $2 lottery ticket, a scratch-off ticket. And I was tempted. I was very, very tempted just to go, you know, it's a $2 lottery ticket. Who cares? But I remembered. I remembered we have a Casino Wisdom number 24. And Casino Wisdom number 24 tells us that they're giving you a lottery ticket. Go get the lottery ticket and scratch it off. So I went. I, I remembered my Casino Wisdoms. That's what they're for. They're to inform our behavior in situations just like this, where my instinct was to do something that I know better than to do. Got my lottery ticket, scratched off my lottery ticket, and the lottery ticket bought a tank of gas. Lesson learned, or lesson reinforced, perhaps. I went up and got my lottery ticket, 
Yes, it was only a $2 lottery ticket, but it paid off very, very nicely. I also, at my local casino, had a very, very educational experience. I did learn something new. I was playing with Super Smart Sue, and we're having a good time, and she's asking me stuff, some stuff about the podcast and this and that and how I get content, and we're just you know, generally talking about a variety of things. And I said, well, you know you're in the podcast, right? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, oh, well, you were asking me about content. I said, you know, you're in the podcast. This Parts of this conversation will undoubtedly end up in the podcast. And she goes, I didn't know I was in the podcast. Who am I in the podcast? And I said, you're super smart, Sue. And she goes, oh, oh, I thought it was Brenda. I thought Brenda was super smart, Sue. I said, no, you're super smart, Sue. Brenda has not made it into the podcast yet. And we had a chuckle about that. And a little bit later... A gentleman comes over to the table. He's got a free bet slip in his hand. He doesn't ask if it's okay if he joins us. He just immediately barges into the game, plays his one hand, and leaves. And she says, what does your podcast say about that? And I said, my podcast says that that is a very rude thing to do, that you should, in fact, if you're that person, you should go make that same bet on Baccarat, either house or bank, or on red, black, even odd, uh, upper half, lower half, on the roulette table, because it is rude to walk into the middle of a blackjack game, in the middle of a shoe, make one bet, and leave, and it annoys the other players in the game. And she goes, that is exactly what I would have said. And I said, that is exactly why this will probably be content in the podcast. I've talked about it before, but there is no reason not to talk about it again. But wait, TRG, you said you learned something. I did learn something, and that's why I pulled this piece out. A little bit later in the process, I have been regrouping. I've had a small loss. I've had a small win. I'm not quite to my exit point yet. I'm, I'm just trying to keep that all straight. I'm trying to keep that straight in the middle of the game so that I can put the notes into the app when I get to the end of the shoe. And so I, I asked to color up some of my stacks of, of greens and red chips. And she kind of looked at me for a second and she goes, what would your podcast say about this? And I said, my podcast wouldn't say anything about this, I guess. Is that a thing? Do, do you consider it bad etiquette to, she goes, yes, I consider it bad etiquette for you to stop the game for all of us in the middle of the shoe. There's no reason for you not to wait on this one. And I said, okay, I didn't know that. And in fact, the dealer said, I'm surprised the pit boss would let you do that. And the pit boss said, I only let it happen because it's you, TRG. I would not let most people do that and slow up the game. And I said, all right, I'm very sorry. And I appreciate the education. I appreciate knowing that it's considered bad etiquette to color up chips in the middle of a shoe. I appreciate the education. I always tell my listeners that I don't know everything about gambling. I just want to know everything about gambling. And I appreciate the lesson today. And I will share it with my listeners. So, Super Smart Sue has taught me. And if you didn't know either, we've now taught you not to color up part of your chips in the middle of a shoe. If you're leaving, fine. But if you're sticking around, it's considered rude to color up part of your stack in the middle of a shoe. And I am going to do my best not to ever do that again unless I am the only person at the table. And then I will expect them to let me do it because I am TRG and I am not slowing the game down for anyone. And that's how I would like things to happen. But I will remember not to do it to others. Next cool observation. Well, sad observation, let's be honest. 
I'm playing with another gentleman, playing blackjack with another gentleman, and according to him, he is down $1,500, and he is just trying to get even. That's all he's trying to do. That's all he's talking about. I just need to get even, and I just need to get out of here. I've been here way too long, and I'm down 1500 bucks. The problem, from my point of view, is this. He's down $1,500, and he's trying to win it back with about $200 in chips, and he's betting them as a $35 main bet and a $5 side bet. And as he repeatedly is telling me that he has to get his $1,500 and he has to get out of there and he has to go do other things and he's got to get his $1,500, I'm thinking, how, this, how does this even work? How do you possibly win so many more hands than you lose that you recoup $1,500? And maybe he was just trying to recoup $500 and then start betting more, but I'm just sitting there thinking... You, you've, you've got a couple hundred dollars in front of you. If you double it, you've done really, really well. Unless you catch a whole bunch of royal flushes or three of a kinds, your $5 side bet is just taking money out. It's not going to help you have a big leap forward. It's not like this is a side bet that if you won it would pay a couple thousand dollars. So that was my reaction. My thought was, I get that you want your money back, and I get that you need your money back, and I get that you wish you hadn't lost it, but there is very little probability, there's obviously possibility, but there's very, very little probability that you are going to take a couple hundred dollars and $3,500 at a time win $1,500 at a 50-50 game. Not likely. And of course, in this case, it did not happen. He lost the rest of it. He didn't hit any major side bets that helped him at all. And he left and he left without his $1,500 or the additional couple hundred dollars that he was trying to use to get it back, which leads me to a similar and tragic story. This is absolutely a tragic story. I was with Mrs. TRG. We had had some food. We had picked up some uh, grocery store gift cards. She had a free bet to play. And things are going pretty choppy. We're winning a little, losing a little. Not enough to either have a positive exit or a negative exit. Just kind of holding our own, trying to get through things. And a guy comes in, buys in for $300, and says, I put new windows in my house. I just paid for them. I need to win the money to pay for the windows. And we're like, okay, well, we hope you do. We hope you win the money to to pay for your windows. So he goes through the $300 real quick. Two, three hands. And that money's gone. And he pulls out another 400 and he says, I got to I gotta pay for these windows. I, I, I got to. That's what I'm here to do. I'm going to win a lot of money and, I, and I'm going to pay for these windows. And he wins a couple hands and his bets are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And we are gradually pulling him more than Mrs. TRG and I. But we're, we're contributing. Things are going well for everybody at this point. We've hit one of those sections of one of those shoes where it's going really, really well for us. We're winning hands we should win, and we're winning hands we really shouldn't win. And his bets are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have now taken almost all the green, which is $25, a big chunk of the black, and he has most of the black $100 chips. He has some of the purple chips out of the rack. I've picked up a black chip here or there only because they're making change. They're taking when I have a modest bet and I've doubled and split and they're making change and giving me a black and taking green because they're running out of green chips. As I said, we've taken almost all of them out of the rack and he makes a $1,700 bet and doubles it and wins. And the dealer leans over and says, congratulations, 
please do me a favor. Please do not give it all back. That's an incredible amount of money you've won very, very quickly. And he says, oh, I won't. I won't. Absolutely not. I got windows to pay for. He loses $5,500 of increasingly larger bets, finally makes a $1,000 bet, doubles, and loses with what's the last of the chips in front of him. He goes in his pocket. He buys in for $45. He bets it. He gets a nine against a dealer's five. He has no money in his pocket to double. And he decides because he can't double that he's going to stand on nine and he loses. And the dealer would have busted if he had just hit, at least hit, his nine. The dealer would have busted and he'd have won. And he leaves and walks away with his head down. Now, I don't know how much money his windows cost. But this gentleman won $5,500. Well, he was in for $700, so there's uh, $4,800. He won $4,800 very, very quickly. That has to have been money that would have helped pay for the windows that he had installed in his home. The dealer and everybody else was happy for him. We were thrilled. We were all having a good time. We just wanted him to leave with most of that money. And instead, he lost some bets, right? He lost a a $300 bet and a $500 bet. And then instead of saying, okay, I'm done, he starts making larger and larger bets to the point where he bets a thousand, doubles it and loses. And once again, like uh, the gentleman I told you about, the thought with a small amount of chips and $35 wagers, he was going to win his money back. Now this guy is trying with $45, his last $45 to win 800. Not likely. Not likely to happen. Improbable. And certainly, standing on a nine was not the best way to start that process. It was sad. Mrs. TRG talked on it, and I talked about it on the way home. We talked about it again the next day. We told the, same, the story to friends who asked uh, about things. We brought it up spontaneously in other conversations. It was horrible to watch him have so much success so quickly, so recklessly bet that he wins this huge amount of money that he says he needs and then turn around and lose it and drop it all back to the casino. So he didn't get their $5,500. They got his $745 and he didn't get the money to pay for the windows. Last one, and there's a theme here to, to these three stories, or at least I perceive a theme here to these three stories. I entered a table at the beginning of a shoe, and a young man is standing and pacing and making $100 wagers and losing, and he's losing hands he shouldn't lose. He's losing good doubles where the dealer turns over a 10 for a total of 15, then draws an ace for 16, and then draws a 5 for a total of 21 when his double got him to 19 or 20. He, he has a reason to be unhappy with results. He is losing hands that he shouldn't lose, and he is losing consistently at the $100 level. And then he's losing consistently at the $50 level. And now he's moving down to the $25 level. He has his, as his stack of chips in front of him gets smaller, his wagers are getting smaller. And over the course of one shoe, he's now moved, as I said, from $100 bets to $50 bets to $25 bets, and he starts winning. And now he's getting really mad. He, in fact, says at one point, $3,000. 
$3,000 betting $200 a hand and I can't win. And I can't win at $100 a hand and I can't win at $50 a hand and now I start winning at $25? I'm winning at $25 a hand and now all I have left is $100? How in the world did I lose all those hands and now I'm finally winning when it doesn't matter? And of course, he doesn't have any chance like the other people in the other stories I've shared with you. He really has no chance of running his at a time, he has no real hope of recouping his $3,000. And I felt bad for him. And of course, he lost all his money and left. But it hit me as he was walking away, he was doing a reverse Meta Martingale. He was an angry young man who didn't realize that he had done a reverse Meta Martingale. He had bet less as he lost. He had the bankroll with him. If he had $3,000, he had more than enough money to start at $25. And if he lost a couple hundred bucks of it, if he, if he lost eight bets, he could have easily gone to $50. And if he lost eight of those, he could have easily gone to $100. And I haven't done all the math, but off the top of my head, I suspect, eh, maybe not quite, but he at least had an opportunity then to catch. And how would that have gone? What would that have looked like? What that would have done was when the things finally turned and went his way, he'd been making his biggest bets and he'd have quickly won back what he had already lost. He'd have had an opportunity doing a real Meta Martingale to make a comeback when things finally went his way. We talked a couple episodes ago about the idea that the combination of TRG Wagering System 1 or TRG Wagering System 2 and the Meta Martingale looks to get you out of negative variant situations, situations where you're losing more than you should and losing hands you shouldn't lose and capture positive variants when you are winning hands you should win and hands you shouldn't win. And it captures that either at the beginning, the middle, or the end whenever it occurs. A quick run of a whole bunch of hands will get captured and will get you that day's pay number. And the angry young man in this story did not know that technique. And he had done it completely backwards. As the house gradually took away his money because he was losing hands that, quite frankly, statistically, he's not going to lose very often... He just kept making his bets smaller and making his bets smaller until they finally ground him all the way out. I appreciate him proving for me to observe and for me to share with all of you that while I firmly believe the Meta Martingale that I invented works, the reverse Meta Martingale does not work. It just makes you an angry young man. Okay. Those are the general results. I told you every day I went, every day I won a day's pay or more. So you have my results. I have pulled the educational, informative, amusing uh, items out of my experiences. I have shared those with you. I think that is an adequate review of my results for the last two weeks. And next up, we are going to do questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions about gambling, strangers ask questions about gambling, listeners ask questions about gambling, and this week I have uh, several uh, questions that I want to go over with you and that I want to answer for all of you, Um, and they vary from the fun to the funny to the backstories and to some pretty 
a pretty serious, a pretty solid technical question from one of our inner circle members. And, and so we're going to do all of that. Let's start out with an email that I received and the email goes like this. Hi, TRG. It's Gwen313, the pop culture princess of Casino Combat. So happy to hear your last episode. The move sounds super busy. I have a couple of questions. First, as you were sharing the Trucker Mike story, I wondered, why is he called Trucker Mike? Is he a trucker? Is his name Mike? <laughs> and and if you followed Gwen313's involvement with the podcast, you know that she often sees things through a very interesting lens, a very fun lens, um, a humorous lens, a pop culture lens. Look, I always I always enjoy explaining things. And so let me first start with, in this case, as strange as it may seem, there actually is a story about the story to get to the answer to the question with a story. And and let's do that. Stories are always fun, or I always enjoy them, and feedback suggests many of you enjoy them as well. Years and years and years ago, I coached youth soccer. And at one point, I was coaching a new team of second graders, and I'd only been coaching them for a couple weeks. And uh, one, of the, one of the mothers comes up to me after the game and says, I know my son Brendan really wasn't doing what you were asking him to do out there. But I think the problem is he doesn't know you're talking to him because his name is Brendan and you're calling him Brandon. And I said, wait, what? Tell me that again. And she said, yeah, his name is Brendan and you're calling him Brandon. And I said, oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for letting me know. And and I'll try to correct that. And I, I, get in the car and I'm thinking about it and I, I drive home and I'm thinking about it and I get out the roster and I realize that I have her son, Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-E-N, and I have Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, and I have, I guess, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. So out of like nine boys on this soccer team, I have three boys with variations of the same name involving different combinations of vowels. And while I suspect that in week two of the season, the reason Brendan, Dan, Brendan was not listening to me was that he didn't understand how to play soccer yet. It wasn't that I was saying Brandon and he thought I was talking to one of the other boys. I doubt that that's the case. I think we have an overly involved parent, but... I told her I would solve the problem, and I did. So when we got to practice the next week, I pulled the three of them over and pulled the rest of the team over, and I said, guys, I'm sorry. I did not realize that with three of you having such similar names that it might be confusing for you, and I can see how that might be the case. So, Brendan, you're now Brendan, but if I say Brandon or Brandon or Brendan or Brandon, I'm talking to you, and Brandon, your dude and Brandon, your chief. So, Brendan, Brandon, 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 dude, and chief. Everybody good? Okay. What does that have to do with trucker, Mike? Well, pre-pandemic, I often interacted with three different people named Mike. And when I would come home and tell my wife how things had gone at the casino, and I would mention Mike, she would be confused as to which Mike I was talking about. So, there was Mike, who often hung out in the VIP lounge 
and was an expert on sports and loved to talk sports, and he didn't drink alcohol. He was a poker player, but between poker games, he would hang out and watch sports and talk about sports in the VIP lounge. And he was wavy hair Mike. And there was another Mike who's a little older than me, and he would come into the VIP lounge every day, Monday through Friday, right around 5 o'clock. He would hang out for about 45 minutes. He would have exactly two beers, and then he would go down and play slots. And so he was two-beer Mike. And there was trucker hat Mike, because trucker hat Mike always wore a trucker hat. You know, the, the hats with the solid front and the mesh on the back. So I would tell my wife I was hanging out with trucker hat Mike or wavy hair Mike or hanging out with two beers Mike or talking with them or they told me or whatever. And that kept the various Mikes straight for my wife so that she knew which was which. And we met them. She met them over a period of time and then she could talk about them in the same way. But here's the thing. I don't know what Mike does. He's certainly not a trucker based on when I see him and how often I see him. He would not have time to drive a truck. And I don't think that's why he wears a hat. We get to the podcast and he simply goes from being trucker hat Mike to trucker Mike. But here's the thing. If instead of a trucker hat, he had worn a baseball hat, he'd be baseball Mike. If he had worn a fedora, he would be Indiana Jones Mike or gangster Mike. If he had worn one of those bucket hats that's really popular right now with younger people, I observe, he would have been Caddy Mike because that would have reminded me of Bill Murray's character from Caddyshack. So he could have been a completely different character in the podcast had he selected different headwear for going to the casino in. So not a trucker. That's how he got his name, and the reason we have multiple mics is his name really is Mike, and I was trying to keep three mics straight for my wife. There we go. The origin of Trucker Mike and his name, as told by TRG. Gwen313 had another question that she included. I stopped at the end of the first question so that we could get that sorted out. Her The next part of her question is this. She says... I know that Casino Wisdom number three says, don't drink and gamble or be well prepared to do so. I was watching Clueless the other day. I assume you've seen the movie. As the pop culture princess of Casino Combat, I was wondering if Casino Wisdom three applies to herbal refreshments as well. (laughs) Okay. Ah, needs to be answered. It undoubtedly needs to be answered. In general, Gwen, in general. Gambling puts you in an altered state of consciousness simply because when you gamble, endorphins are released. And it is true from a pop culture point of view that endorphins make people happy and happy people don't kill their husbands. But that doesn't mean that being in a further altered state is a good idea. (laughs) Pop culture jokes aside, uh, literally pop culture jokes aside, let's be serious while we are being ridiculous. This is a fun question, but let's, let's, let's be serious with our ridiculousness. Someone just starting out. If you have not been a consistently successful person who gambles at the casino to make a profit, If your goal is to do casino combat and gamble for a profit and you are just starting out, play it straight. 
play it unaltered. Prove that you can execute, which is to say, enter, win, and leave without chemicals of any kind, regardless of what chemicals might be involved. Save the chemicals for celebrating your win. If you can do that well, if you can do that consistently, and then you want to test your abilities under the influence, that's the be well prepared to do so part of the casino wisdom. But that's advanced stuff. And I'm not talking about having a glass of wine with dinner. Mrs. TRG and I often jokingly say we're going to get to the casino and, and, and we're going to open a bottle of wine or open a bottle of bourbon or open a bottle of Kentucky whiskey and we're going to do, we're going to do happy hour. And we will have a couple, three cocktails in the in the hotel room. And we'll have more cocktails when, while we're playing. Gabriel and I often uh, like in, hanging out at a bar, hanging out at a saloon, having a couple drinks, and then going and playing. But we know we can handle it. We know, not in the sense of handle our liquor, but in the sense of we know that it's not going to drastically alter our play. It's not going to alter our decision-making. Speaking for myself, I know my process is rock solid. I know that some drinks are not going to change what I do and how I do it. It's not going to change my decision making because I have no decisions to make. I have made all the decisions well before I've, I've gone in the casino. Heck, I've won a bunch of money basically asleep on several occasions. In one case, I've told you about New Orleans, but in one case, Mrs. TRG watched me basically sleep through a win of almost five days' pay before she said, okay, okay, TRG, you've won enough, you need a nap. So I know that. I know that I can do that, and I know that I can do that because first I proved that I could do it while not under the influence. Then I practiced under the influence on computers, and then I took it into the real world. Gwen, as for your specific question, herbal refreshments are legal a lot of places now. I've tried playing under that particular influence. I can do it. I don't really enjoy it. I end up unfocused more than I like, and at the same time, I end up aware that I'm unfocused. I'm aware that things are not, that I'm not as sharp as I normally am, and I'm not as sharp as I normally am, even if I've had some drinks. Bottom line, Casino Wisdom number three applies to any substance that alters your perception, impulse control, and basic motor skill. I'd recommend you don't do it until your win is put away. And if it's something you're going to do, be sure you can handle it or just admit you are not gambling for profit. You are just gambling for fun and entertainment. And in that case, do it with money you're prepared to lose because I often see that happen. Always great to hear from you, Gwen. You are the pop culture princess of Casino Combat. I always appreciate your emails. Those are always fun things. Thank you so much, Gwen, and keep them coming. I got a little more serious email, a little more educational email from Inner Circle member Gator Gambler. And Gator Gambler wrote to ask about the Meta Martingale. And he wanted to know that for someone who isn't playing every day, just taking a gambling trip three or four times a year for a few days, how could or could the Meta Martingale be implemented? So excellent question, excellent prompt, really excellent prompt. 
let me start with this. Let me start with a reminder of what martingaling is. Martingaling was invented in France hundreds and hundreds of years ago and is a surefire way of winning coin toss games. Guaranteed way to win a coin toss game. And it, it starts with the assumption that you are going to bet a very small amount of money compared to the amount of money that you have available to bet. And that every time you lose a 50-50 wager, your bet is going to go up double. So you bet a dollar, you lose. You bet two dollars, you lose. You bet four dollars, you lose. You bet eight dollars, you win. You now have all the money you've bet plus one more dollar. You have a one unit profit. It will work. It will work every time. As long as you have, for all practical purposes, infinite money, and those are the rules in place, you will make money. Now, you will get to a point where you are betting thousands of dollars to win one dollar potentially that could happen and you can do this in real life but you will have quickly usually in six or seven wagers you will run into the table max and you will no longer be able to make your next wager and you will have lost almost twice the table max minus whatever your first wager was you will have made and lost the three thousand dollar wager and you will have lost five thousand $975 and you'll be done. And I know someone who does that. I've talked about him recently. I met a gentleman uh, that I've been calling Kindred Spirit, great professional gambler, gets great results, but he is more than prepared to walk in and start at the very bottom dollar amount at a table and double until he wins or until he loses the table max basically times two or something approximating the table max times two. And that's why casinos have max bets, because they understand that the Martingale exists. And then to further that reminder, the meta Martingale takes that concept of doubling every time you lose and applies it not to individual wagers. TRG Wagering System 1 applies a limited Martingale and and then a hard exit at a very modest amount of money. It goes nowhere near half the table max, let alone the table max. But the Meta Martingale applies this idea that the way you recover from a loss or a series of losses is you double what you're betting, and it applies that to the bankroll and the unit size at a new table, not to the individual wagers or to the individual wagers if your wagering process is something similar to TRG Wagering System 1. So that's the Meta Martingale. And I've talked about it recently. I've talked about it a lot recently because I've been doing it a lot recently and doing it successfully. I apply the Meta Martingale in three tiers. When I lose the equivalent of roughly 10 units at a series of tables at the first level, I double my buy-in and I double my unit size. And if that happens again, I then move to quadruple the unit size, quadruple the buy-in, And if at any of those points in the process, I've won roughly 10 to 12 units, I will now have a profit of roughly a day's pay for my efforts. And if I get to the third tier of the Meta Martingale and I lose seven units approximately, then I'm done for the day and I take my loss. And that's happening roughly once every 30 attempts. That works for me because I go gamble every day and every day I want to make a day's pay. But to Gator Gambler's question, to G-Squared's question, you can apply this same thing, and I do, when I go on a gambling trip instead of gambling locally. If I'm going and spending the night somewhere, 
I don't say, okay, I want to win a day's pay. Oh gosh, it's been 20 minutes. I want a day's pay. I'm done. I just go, oh good. That cycle of the Meta Martingale is over. It ended with one table. I completed a Meta Martingale cycle and I now have a day's pay for that Meta Martingale cycle. And then I might go to dinner and then I might go to a crafts table. Still at tier one and I'm starting another cycle of the Meta Martingale and I lose at the crafts table but I don't lose a full 10 units. So I go to a blackjack table and I buy in for 10 units and I lose again. And now the combination of the two tables is up over 10 units. And so at the next blackjack table, I doubled my unit size. I double my buy-in and now I win my 10 or 12 units. And now I have a day's pay for that combination of three tables. The cycle is complete. And now I've won two days pay roughly for the visit. And I go do something else. Maybe I play a slot machine, which is outside the Meta Martingale process. And now I start again. And I may get all the way up to four times my unit size and four times my buy-in and then win my money and then start another cycle. And sometimes when I'm with Mrs. TRG, it might go something like this. Mrs. TRG is getting ready for brunch. I go down to play. When she's ready to go to brunch, I've lost five units out of... I get to a seven unit loss and I had a couple unit win to begin with. So I've lost five units and we go to brunch. And after brunch, she's going to go down to the pool or the beach and I'm going to play again. And now I win and I win enough that I have a day's pay and that cycle cuts off. But she's still at the beach or the pool. So I start another cycle and I have a couple losing tables at the first tier and I have a losing table at the second tier and I go to the third tier Or I'm going to go to the third tier and I get a text message saying, hey, I'm almost ready to go to dinner. And so I meet Mrs. TRG and we go to dinner. And after dinner, we're going to play some cards and I'm playing at the third tier of my Meta Martingale cycle. And I get to the point where I've won 10 or 12 units and I now have my profit for that cycle, which stretched all the way through the day. And we go see a show. And we come out after the show and we're going to play some cards and I'm back at tier one of the Meta Martingale. And I go through two two tables before we go to bed and I lose them both. And when I get up the next morning and she's going to go to the pool or I'm playing before brunch, I'm playing at tier two. And if I win at tier two, then I'm back down to tier one. And so I can have multiple cycles to put a label on it of the Meta Martingale, sometimes that never last longer than a table, sometimes that depending on how things go, last four or five tables. But a Meta Martingale cycle ends when I have either won a day's pay or lost seven units at all three tiers of the Meta Martingale. Seven to ten, depending. Sometimes you get bumped a little bit over. Sometimes you end up a little bit below. You make some judgment calls. But that's a Meta Martingale cycle. And I would repeat that multiple, multiple times on a three or four day gambling trip three or four times a year. Perfectly reasonable way to execute that. Let's talk about it a different way. I like to do it all in one day. And that defines how long I stay at my local casino. If I can get in and out in 15 minutes and get my day's pay, I'm thrilled. If it takes three or four hours and I end up in high limit with a big buy-in, betting big chips, I'm fine with that. I just want to get my day's pay and wrap things up in almost all circumstances locally. But you could, you could on Monday, start a Meta Martingale cycle. And if you did not win 
all that you wanted to win, you could continue the cycle the next day. Or if you hit your negative exit point, if you lost seven units from your play stack and, and didn't have a profit, then you can come back the next day and do the next part of the Meta Martingale or in a couple days. Your Meta Martingale cycle could take a week. It could take two weeks. It could take a month if you're only gambling a couple times a week. If, you, if you're only gambling a couple times a week and you're only doing one table every time, that is a perfectly reasonable application of the Casino Combat Arsenal. I, I like to say and I like to believe that the Casino Combat Arsenal, the pieces that I've taught you, the, the way to construct wagering systems, the application of those wagering systems, it's like Legos. Build what you want to build. Do what you want to do. Adjust as it makes sense to you to adjust. Just apply them. Apply them to your specific situation. If your situation is like Gator Gamblers and you're only in a casino for a few days, a few times a year, compress them. Do them in compressed fashion. Go through the equivalent of one of my days in the equivalent of 20 minutes to two hours. Or on the opposite side, if you only get time to go to the casino once a month or once every couple weeks or once, you know, twice a week, then you can expand your Meta Martingale cycle if that's what makes sense to you. You can do it over a longer period of time instead of over a shorter period of time. I try to teach all of this in very specific, detailed ways, and I use very controlled illustrations. In many ways, I use very simplified illustrations. In fact, that's probably something we need to talk about next episode, is the difference between the very clean, clear, concise, precise illustrations that I give you and the somewhat messy reality that's accurately portrayed, but in a somewhat simplified fashion. Put this together any way that it makes sense for you, as long as you do one thing. And this wasn't in my notes, but let me say this because I'm thinking about it right here, right now. When I say put it together any way you want, put it together any way you want, but be clear with yourself what your plan is before we go. Several episodes, I told you, it's still available on the website. We have a casino combat tool, a form to fill out with exactly what your plan is. Write down your plan, whether it's on my form, a form you created, or the back of a napkin at a fast food restaurant before you start. Document your plan. Review your plan when you're done. But put the pieces together any way you want. If your plan says, I'm going to go and play the first table of a Meta Martingale cycle and win or lose, I'm going to lose, leave when I'm done at that table. Great plan. Perfectly good plan. Go win a small set amount of money and leave or lose a small set amount of money and leave is absolutely a core concept. There is nothing wrong with your Meta Martingale cycle taking you an entire week if that's what it takes to complete it. Nothing wrong with that at all. And if you're on vacation, there's no reason not to do multiple days cycles, multiple cycles and get multiple days pay and compress as many rounds, as many iterations, as many reps as possible into your process. Either way work, just be clear to yourself and set clear expectations about what you're going to do before you start. Don't change it in the middle. Don't make it up as you go. All right. Next on our battle plan is a moment of casino wisdom.
Casino Wisdoms combine knowledge of or information about casinos and how casinos work or how humans behave in casinos with an action to be taken in certain casino situations. I have a new Casino Wisdom for you this episode, Casino Wisdom number 30, and it goes a little bit like this. If you are a regular at a particular casino, the casino's employees are not your employees, they are your co-workers. Treat them accordingly and act like you work with them, not like they work for you. I think this is a subtle shift in perception. It's easy enough to to approach casinos like you would approach any place else where you're a customer and treat the people that work there as people who are there to work for you, not work with you. And I'm really encouraging you with this casino wisdom not to see it that way if you go to the same casino or casinos regularly. Those are not people that work for you. They work with you. This is a shift in perception. And it occurred for me, it occurred to me, this, I had this thought, I had this kind of adjustment to how I saw things over the last couple weeks as with basically things as normal as they're going to get. The, the recognition, the realization that I see the same people every day. I see these people more than I see my customers because I don't see all of my customers every day. I see all the same dealers. I see all the same pit bosses. I see all the same wait staff and bartenders. I see the same promotions people. I see the same people in management and we know each other well enough to nod and say hello. And ultimately, All of us, myself and all those people I just mentioned, I'm not going to say it yet. Nope. Okay. I said, I think last episode, I said, Gabriel and I have been kind of recognizing, kind of joking around about, but kind of also being aware that some things that we say are are very true in our minds, that are true to each other, that we perceive as accurate, sound pompous and arrogant. And so this is going to sound pompous and arrogant. And I'm hoping that despite the fact that it sounds pompous and arrogant, that many of you are going to realize, just like if I was talking to Gabriel and said this, I might admit it sounds pompous and arrogant, but then he would instantly recognize that while it might sound that way, it is factually accurate and true. Now I'll continue that thought. You see the dealers, the pit bosses, the waitstaff, the bartenders, the promotions people, the management teams that, that I know and meet, the people at the cage... We all get paid by the same people. The owners get paid by the same people. We all get paid by the people who show up and lose. That's who pays us. The house doesn't pay me. The house pays me money other people lost. It just transfers other people's losses to my pockets. We all have different parts to play in this. All the people involved in this, we all have different parts to play. And my part as... As a player who plays for profit is somewhat different than that of the people at the cage, the people in promotions, etc., 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 etc. But ultimately, we all get paid to be there, and we all get paid by the people who gamble for fun, for entertainment, for all of those other things, and lose. And now, once you've had this shift in perception, well, what what actions does that generate? Okay, because we're. I would suggest that the action that it generates is you start treating people a little bit 
differently. Not that I ever try to not be polite to everybody and all of that. I'm always trying to cultivate allies. But even if you're not cultivating allies, they're still co-workers. And observe how the employees act with each other. They're always calm. They're always polite. Voices are always low and reasonable unless it's a, a call going from a dealer to a pit boss that has to get someone's attention. When a pit boss leaves a pit, they walk around and they take time to thank everyone and tell them they did a good job today and that their time was appreciated. That is maybe not unique to casinos, but I rarely see the owner of an accounting firm on his way out the door stop at the office of each employee and say, thank you for your time. Thank you for your day. You did a good job. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow. Yeah, maybe that happens in some very small offices, but I don't see that. But I see that amongst casino employees, particularly pit bosses and the dealers. So I have been trying to make sure I do that. When a dealer is leaving and I know they're leaving, even if they weren't my dealer for the day, I say goodbye and thank you and you did a great job today. I say the same thing to pit bosses when they're leaving. I say, hey, Joe, George, Sue, Wendy, whatever, thanks very much, enjoy your evening, appreciate what you did for me today. I've even started doing that as I'm leaving the casino, and not every single time, but if I if I ended up going through a Meta Martingale cycle that was four or five tables, and I didn't necessarily win at every table, right? I, I, I won at the end of the cycle. As I'm walking out, if I see the people that play, that I played with earlier, that were my dealers earlier, that were my fellow employees earlier, I say, hey, thanks a lot. See you tomorrow. Appreciate what you did for me today. Sorry it didn't work out, but thank you very much. I try to approach things that way. Likewise, I try to use their language. I say chips when I do this podcast. I talk about green chips and, and, and red chips, and I, and I talk about chips. But if a pit boss comes up to me at the table and says, hey, TRG, what did you come in with? What did you buy in with? I'll say, I bought in with X dollars of checks. Because that's what the house calls them. The house doesn't call them chips. The house amongst itself calls them checks. It's spelled C-H-E-Q-U-E. And I've never bothered to look up why that is or what the logic of that is. But I adopt that language. When I need to get smaller denominations, I say, check change, please because that's what the house would say. I try to speak their language. I try to act the way they act to each other. I try to teach them like fellow employees. That's what I try to do. Players are often rude to dealers. They're rude to employees in general. And they, because they perceive them the same way they perceive another service provider, they think that's okay. They think it's okay, just like if you're at a fast food place and you get lousy service, you feel perfectly comfortable saying, I think it was lousy service, or at least I do. And certainly people that are rude to dealers probably feel perfectly reasonable in being rude in those other situations, in expecting and demanding service. And that's fine if you're not a regular. If you only gamble at a casino, a particular casino, you're there on vacation, 
You're not going to be there regularly. You may not be back there ever again. I guess you can take that lens that these are just employees and I expect them to be great. And if they're not great, I expect to tell them they weren't great and I expect them to fix it. You can take that approach. You can take that lens. But I'm suggesting with this casino wisdom, casino wisdom number 30, that that's not a good point of view to take. That's not a good approach to a take if you're going to the same places over and over again. I've known the people many of them that work at Casino One for almost 20 years. And I've known the people, many of them at my local casino, for over 10 years. I see many of the same people, as I said, every day because they work the same shift. We are not all going to be friends. We are not all going to be allies. They are not going to all like me, and they are not going to all look out for me and do special favors for me. But we all work together to earn our money, to play our role, to do our part in the process, and we all get paid by the people who show up every day and are kind enough to lose their money so that we can all get paid. And I believe that as a regular at that casino, those casino employees are my co-workers, and I am treating them accordingly, and I think that perhaps... If you keep this casino wisdom in mind, you may find that you see things a little differently as well. And that's why I wanted to bring you this casino wisdom, this episode, and share that perception with you. And if I look at my battle plan now, I see that we are down to one last thing to do. So let us adjourn to the virtual VIP lounge and talk about the results for the month. A little bit of the bubbly. Our lounge is open and we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. That means the best virtual bottles, but it also means the best virtual everything else. Some of the best VIP lounges that I've been in have great food. Perhaps my favorite VIP lounge of all time in real life was the Bally's Atlantic City Lounge back when it was owned by Caesars because they served brunch on Saturday morning. This was always a must do for us when we were in Atlantic City. Because I'm recording this early in the morning, instead of my normal sips, uh, my normal adult libations, usually, sometimes I do soft drinks, I'm actually enjoying a cinnamon roll and some orange juice today in the virtual VIP lounge. Now, you should not let that stop you from pouring an adult libation for yourself as we review the official Team TRG results for June 2022, but I did want to remind you that I have been remiss. I have. You are welcome to have a cheeseburger or eat some snacks or enjoy a dessert as much as you are willing to enjoy an adult beverage while we hang out in the virtual VIP lounge. Virtual VIP lounges are not just for beverages. Certainly, if you want to have cherry pie while we review the results, press pause and enjoy some cherry pie. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you are new here, And this is boring for those of you that have been here from the beginning, and I apologize. But if you are new here, one of the core concepts of Casino Combat is to win the month, not the table, the machine, or the day. And for some of you, admittedly, that could be win the week, because you are constantly in casinos, or it could be win the quarter, or win the half year, or even if you're like Gator Gambler, and you gamble three, four times a year, maybe you do this once a year, but... I do it enough that monthly works for me. Monthly is what the core concepts were written around. And so we take time once a month, usually here in the VIP lounge, to sit down and have an honest conversation about results. 
I do this review to be true to the core concepts, and I share the results with all of you so that you can trust my results, as I so often say. And I found it really helps my game to stop once a month, take a look at the spreadsheet, save it off, start the new month, and take a big picture look at what really happened, to look back through things, to look at my numbers and totals, and, and really examine things. The results have been turned into a blog post, a blog post. It's on the website. You can review all these numbers for yourself. You can look at them in detail. You don't have to rely just on what I'm telling you here. And then the last thing is, the last kind of warning is that I, I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm, I'm not looking for anyone to say, oh, look at what he got. And I'm not looking for any of you to be impressed. And, and I'm not impressed. I'm happy with my results. I'm happy with my honesty with my results. I'm really happy with my results this week. I have every reason to be very happy with my results for, for this month. I shouldn't have said week. I should have said month. But I just walked into a high limit room where someone had just won 334 days pay in my numbers. A tremendous amount of money. So I'm not bragging. If I told that person what I won for this month in real dollars, he'd go, oh, that's nice. Good for you. If that's good for you, good for you. But but he could have bought a very expensive sports car with the money he won. And my understanding, once he left the room, the, the team shared with me that he did it in about 15 or 20 minutes. It's not like he grounded out all day. He walked in, he bought in for a lot, he won a lot, he turned around and walked back out with more, peop more money than most people make in a year at a real job. So I'm not saying, look at me, look at me. There's plenty of people that would look at my real true numbers and go, oh, who cares? Why are you making a big deal about this? Maybe this is why you do a podcast because that's all you made. No bragging here. No boasting here. Just trying to share the results with you so that you can have a sense of what I do and does it work or does it not work. Also, all of this is, I'm, I'm going to report to you so many dollars, but those are not real dollars. This is all converted to the, if I earned a dollar a day format. So I have a number I want to win every day that I go to the casino. That's my day's pay number. That's my number that makes it okay if I didn't make enough money working for my clients on that particular day. And I take all my results and I divide them by that dollar amount. So you can take whatever you make in a day. You know, if you make $25,000 a day, multiply all my numbers by 25,000. If you make $25 a day, multiply all my numbers by 25. What the number is does not matter. What it matters is how it would impact my life, how it impacts your life. We have a basis of comparison when we crank through the numbers that way. Let's talk about our results. For the month of June 2022, at Table Games, we won $50.52 if I only earned a dollar a day. We played 140 blackjack tables. 65 of them were winning tables. 75 of them were losing tables. And if you're saying, well, how, 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 uh, how exactly does that work, TRG? How, uh, how, 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 how do you end up there? Well, the reality is the way we end up there is because of the Meta Martingale, you have a series of losing tables at smaller levels, and then eventually you have a win at a higher level. So even with winning less tables than we lost, we end up with plenty of money. We end up with plenty of, plenty of money accumulated and, and, and plenty of money won. Craps tables, we only played nine, six of them winning, three of them losing. All of that was TRG wagering system two on the don't pass line. And I just have not done as much craps this past month because it's time consuming. There are much 
it takes a longer time most of the time to resolve the wager and I can just do it more quickly at blackjack and I can lower the house advantage a little bit and so I just did not do as much craps as I've as I've done some months but we won money playing craps we won money playing other table games an excellent win in fact to put that in perspective for all of you uh, let me grab this document here real quick uh where'd it go yeah, to put that in perspective for you, the first year of the podcast, we won 38 days pay. Perfectly good number. Very happy with it. No big, no, nothing to be unhappy about. The second year of the podcast, for the whole year, we won 62 days pay. You know, very nice improvement over year one. And that's because of more availability. The number the first year was down because avail- availability was limited. The, the number, particularly in the back half of this year, is significantly increased because opportunities are significantly increased. So 38 the first year for the whole year, 62 the second year for the whole year, and now for the first month of this year, we have just done 54 days pay. Really nice number, obviously very happy about it, um, happy boarding on a static about it, quite honestly. We won uh, 16, almost 17 cents on the, if I earned a dollar a day scale playing slots with our own money using TRG, uh, slot strategy, El Numero Dos. We received $1 and 57 cents in free slot play. We turned that into 94 cents of cash money. So way more than half. Re- very happy with that. That gives us a final gambling profit or loss that gives us a profit of $51.63 on the if I earned a dollar a day scale in profits from gambling. We had $3 and let's call it, let's round $3.18 of expenses, which gives us a profit and loss after expenses of $48 and 40, once again, round up 46 cents on the if I earned a dollar a day scale. So if you want to imagine what this is like in your life and you work a normal 20 days a month, I earned 28, uh, 48 days pay, 48.46 days pay. So I made almost double, more than double what I would make in my normal life working a normal 20 days a month by gambling. I said to some people's surprise and consternation when I started this podcast that doing casino combat could be a profitable side hustle. We are now seeing casino combat. We are seeing the arsenal deployed. We are seeing the techniques used consistently and on a five day a week basis, sometimes a little more than that. And we are seeing exactly the results I told you we would see. And obviously we don't know what next month and the next month's going to be. But that's a tremendous win. That's a tremendous infusion of cash. Quite frankly, it's a tremendous infusion of cash right when we could really use it because we were moving and our expenses were higher and all kinds of things. A tremendous win. Obviously, very, very, very happy about this. Let's talk about all the rest of it. We had $6.19 in comps. And that's nice because we had $3.18 in cash expenses. So we received more in comps than we spent. So that's a good thing. We had a stunning zero match bets, which is not going places that are giving out match bets right now. And some places are switching from match bet match bets to free bets. We had 
$1.78 in free bets. So almost two days worth of free bets. That's very nice. And we received $1.35, once again rounding up, $1.35 in gifts from the casino for doing casino combat and showing up and taking over 48 days of pay of money that other people lost from them and transferring it into our lives. The total, take it all in its entirety, all that we won, all that we lost, all that we spent, all that we were given, roll it all together, and we have a value into our lives after expenses of $60.24, the equivalent of 60 days pay in value added into our life in one month. It is absolutely amazing. And there's not a whole lot left to be said about it. It is what it is. It was a stellar month. The idea that we pulled this off while also going through the process of changing where we live is absolutely amazing to me. And it happened this way, partly because we're fully committed to the Meta Martingale. My wife's gotten past her discomfort. It happened this way a little because Mrs. TRG had a nice month. The bit of gambling that she did with me, she had a nice month and her unit size has gone up a little bit. So that's a little bit of it, not a huge part of it, but that is, that is a, a small, statistically significant, I assume part of it, 5% maybe, of this win is from the fact that she's got a larger unit size that she's using now. So there's really only one more thing to be said, and that's this. When you go through a month like this, Casino Wisdom, I think it's two. Let me look. Let me tell you the right number. Um, dun, 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 dun. Where are we at here? Where are we at? Not finding it, and I'm not going to keep wasting your time. But we have a Casino Wisdom that tells us when you have a very large win, make a series of small choices. And we've talked about money set aside for taxes, money set aside for to offset future losses. We have talked about the idea that some money should go and purchase some extravagant things, perhaps, that you would not normally buy or not have bought right now, that money should pay regular living expenses, that money should get donated to charity. I did not have any big wins on any one day. And that's relative. But I would say I did not have any home runs. I had some singles and doubles. I certainly had a couple things that you would consider a triple. I did not have any home run wins on any one day by my standards. However, I still applied the same casino wisdom. I still made a series of small choices. I just made them every day. One day I would put some money aside for taxes and, and pay for a few things with cash that we would normally have used a debit card for. The next day, I put some money in a safe and we gave a little extra money to charity of some type. One day, I bought a little crypto and put some money aside for future losses. I bought some new bling, which I'm waiting to have delivered to me that has not arrived yet. But that's buying something a bit extravagant that I would not normally have bought just with my debit card. I did that same process over and over and over every day, putting some of the money in some of the different buckets and boxes that I recommend you put money into. So the same casino wisdom gets applied. It just gets applied on a constant basis instead of, oh, I want a huge amount of money all in one day. It's, I won money today. What did I do with the money I won yesterday? What should I do with the money I've won today? 
Please, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I do hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.